Today, our message comes to us from Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 6. Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also were you circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Today, I want to share with you that Jesus is greater than religion. Jesus is greater than religion. Now, it's important to first take some time to define what religion is. The Oxford Dictionary defines religion as a, per, as a pursuit or interest in which someone ascribes supreme importance. The Greek word for this in this text means a reverence or worship as expressed in ritual acts. But if we think about it, religion really could be absolutely a pursuit of supreme importance of anything in our lives, right? Entertainments, sports, because we like to say the human heart is an idol-making factory. So what does the Bible say about religion? I looked this up this week and I was really surprised because every single time except for one, that religion is mentioned, it's mentioned in a bad context. For example, Luke writes in Acts that human traditions, this is religion, human traditions applied to belief and lifestyle of someone like a Pharisee who is all about the show. Paul writes in our verses today that, that it's, it's human teaching, practices, things of this world. James writes that, it's, that, uh, that, that bad religion, empty religion, is a knowledge without a lifestyle transformation. James is also the only person who mentions religion in a positive note. He says pure religion, pure religion is when we work to help the needs of the vulnerable. He specifically mentions widows and orphans. Anytime we serve the needs of the vulnerable, that James says, is pure religion. Wasn't it interesting that it has absolutely nothing to do with worship service? It's a lifestyle. Now, religion can take us captive. Paul, he was very concerned with false teachings that were going on all throughout the Roman Greco world. And he makes this letter to the Colossians saying, don't be led astray. Stay focused on Christ. Jesus is better than religion. Religion can take us, take us captive. Uh, one of my favorite actors, at least right now, is, is Chris Pratt. I like a lot of his action movies, Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel, that kind of stuff. Um, but he, is, he, he is, a, is a person of faith living in Hollywood. And sometimes he gets frustrated with how religion gets a bad rap. And, and he says this, 
He says, I think there's a distinction between being religious, which is adhering to the customs created by man, oftentimes appropriating the awe reserved for who I believe is a very real God. There's a difference between that and using it to control people, to take money from people, to abuse children, to steal land, to justify hatred, whatever it is. The evil, he says, that's in the heart of every single man has globbed onto the back of religion and come along for the ride. I think he's right. And sometimes it's hard to, to hear religion be spoken poorly of and not take offense at it. But if we can separate those two, a lot has been done wrong in the name of religion. But a lot has been done great because of Christ. To be taken captive... Paul says we can be taken captive by religion. This, this concept of being taken captive is similar to somebody being captured in war and taken to be a prisoner, a prisoner of war. I spent some time this past week learning and, and reading about stories of prisoners of war and the conditions that they experienced overseas. And I, and I wanted to find one that was like Disney-friendly to share with you, but I couldn't because they were horrific the conditions that just would slowly erode a person physically and mentally. And the longer that you were imprisoned, the more weaker you became and the less likely escape was possible. In fact, escape was really only at the hands of someone merciful who would come in and save you. And that's exactly the condition that we find ourselves in. Right? Because of our sinful nature, because of our brokenness, we are unable to get ourselves to a place of safety. We have been taken captive by our sin, and we are unable to do anything about it, and we are in desperate need for Jesus to be the one who comes and rescues us. And he does this, Paul writes in our text today, through a circumcision, but not a circumcision like the past. This is a spiritual circumcision of Christ that we encounter in the waters of our baptism that we were washed and set free and named as his, his sons and daughters. Taken captive. I think a lot of times I can catch myself being taken captive by the media today. Social media can become echo chambers where we only hear the things that we want to hear. And anytime we hear something that's an opposing idea, we instantly take offense and we instantly reject anything that that source may say. Pastor Sam last Sunday spoke in his message that we have become accustomed to drawing dividing lines. Whereas Christ, on the other hand, is someone who knits us together, who unites us and forges us together. The world promises all kinds of freedom, but in, in reality, all those worldly freedoms just result in slavery and capture and imprisonment. Wherever you find your source of happiness or security apart from God will trap you. Right? And there's, there's obvious sources like, like money, sex, and power. But sometimes there's, there's less evil-looking things that can capture us. I am a huge, huge Kansas State football fan. Huge. I know, I know the roster. I know their recruits two years before they get to school. I follow every single game. My, my emotions are tied to whether or not we win or lose. I'm also a huge Tigers fan, which, which I was excited this year. Uh, Riley Green, the uh, Oviedo hometown boy, is now leadoff hitter for the Tigers. And I, I love watching the Tigers. I check the Tigers' scores every morning when I get up. It's just something that I religiously follow. 
And that's not a good thing. Not just because the Tigers lose a lot. <laughs> Go figure. Because those are moments where my mind is not fastened onto Christ. There are all kinds of things that can capture us, some that don't even look that bad. But Jesus is greater than religion. Paul says today that, that Jesus fills us up. Right? He says this, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Now this concept of fullness, it really does blow my mind because all that is in God, all of his majesty, all of his might, all of his power, all of his authority, all of his compassion is present in Jesus. There's no part of God that's not present in Jesus. And while that's amazing to me, what blows my mind is that God says through Paul that Jesus is in me. Jesus is in you. He is dwelling within you. The fullness of God is dwelling in you. Think about that, and it changes your posture a little bit. I, literally, I can't see any of you, but when I said that in the 930 service, I could like literally see like okay, people stood up straighter. The fullness of God is in you so that it walks with you throughout your day, giving you the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, empowering you to be the men and women that God has created you to be. The ability to face excruciatingly difficult circumstances with a confidence and a strength and a peace. Jesus fills us. So what's the result of Jesus filling us? When Jesus fills us, then our hearts that have been filled with fears and doubts and worries and anxieties, there's no more room for those to be because Jesus has filled us up. We're not filled with ourselves. We're not filled with worry. We are filled with him. And when we are filled in him, Paul says the result of that is that we walk in him. Well, what in the world does it mean to walk in him? Paul gives us three amazing things that talk about what it's like to walk in him. The first one is this. Just, just think about that, that concept of walking, though, first. is When you walk, it's, it's slow, it's not a race, it's methodical, it's intentional. In biblical times, walking was the primary means of transportation. If you want to get from point A to point B, you walk there. Much of the same the true, is true with this living a transformative life. If you want to get from this place in your life to this place in your life, you have to walk in Christ to get there. So three tangible ways that Paul gives us for how to walk in Christ. The first one is to be rooted. Be rooted. To be able to send your roots down deep into your faith to retract and receive all of the goodness and the nutrients and the faith that God wants to pour into your life. To be rooted. I have so many hobbies that I can do maybe each one of them one time a year. So I'm thinking about learning a new one. <laughs> I love to learn new things. And so to, what, I, what I'm getting ready to start is I'd, I'd really like to learn how to grow bonsai trees. Right? It's okay. But what I'm learning about, one of the first things that you do with the bonsai tree, once you get it to a healthy place, is you, you, you force it into an unhealthy place. You cut off a lot of its roots, and you plant it in a shallow pot. Now think about this. If you have limited availability to draw nutrients, you have limited opportunity for growth, and so bonsai trees stay small, not because they're a dwarf tree, but because they're a tree that's not permitted 
to grow. I wonder if we have some bonsai Christians today. Maybe our roots aren't digging deeply down into the soil of our faith to pull out all of God's grace, to pull out all of God's wisdom, to pull out all of God's power into our lives. Maybe we need to be transplanted someplace new to put those roots, let those roots be put down deep, to be rooted in him. That's the first thing Paul says is to walk in Christ, you need to be be rooted. The second one is to be built up, he says. To walk in Christ means to be built up. It's a construction kind of concept that when your, your foundation is on Christ, then God continually builds layers upon layers upon layers into your life to create you to be the men and women he wants you to be. It's not an instantaneous pop-up tent. It's a slow, methodical construction building project. Be rooted. Be built up. And then the third one. The third one is different because the noun is different. Because the noun for the first two, be rooted, be built up, those are passive verbs. The noun for that, the person doing that, the agent of those verbs is God. Jesus Christ. He is the one who roots you down. He's the one who builds you up. The third one, we're the noun. We're the agent. We're the one doing it. And this is the thing that he says. Abound in thanksgiving. Abound yourself in thanksgiving. Have boundless thanksgiving. Gratitude is what we are to do in walking in Christ. Jesus does the first two. Our job is just to be, have gratitude. It's, it's interesting, this word for thanksgiving in the Greek, uh, in the middle of the Greek word thanksgiving is the word grace. When you have a heart of gratitude, your mind is more in tune with the grace that God is pouring into your life. You know, you, you're going to find what you're looking for. And if you're looking for reasons to be cranky or irritable or pessimistic or, or complain, the world, I promise you, the world will give you all you need and more to see and be cranky and miserable. But if you wake up every single morning with this thought, God, I am so excited. I'm already thanking you for the blessings that you're going to pour into my life. I can't wait to see what they are. It's not, God, I hope you bless me today. It's, God, I know you're going to bless me today, and I can't wait to see it. When you're looking for those blessings, you begin to see them. And the more that you see, the more that you have gratitude. And the more gratitude you have, the more you're able to see more things to be grateful for. And it just spins and spins and spins until your gratitude is abounding. Be abounding in gratitude. Walking in Jesus means that we are rooted down in him, we are built up in him, and we are ourselves abounding in gratitude. And here's what I am most grateful for. I'm most grateful for the cross. Because for me, the cross is personal. Because my life's not always been easy. And I know your life has not always been easy. And I have a God who knows what it's like to not live an easy life. But the cross is personal for me for another reason. Because it was my sin that Jesus carried on his shoulders to that cross. My failings, my, my, my fallen apart life, he carried to the cross. When the Father looked down and rained judgment on the cross, it was not on Jesus, it was on my sin. And it was my sin, my personal sin, 
that was annihilated and washed away as if it never happened. The cross is personal to me. It's not about religious practices. It's about the fact that God was willing and did do anything to put me into a right relationship with him because I was a prisoner of war and I couldn't get out myself. And he came to me. And he gives me his life. He gives me his promises. He gives me his courage. He gives me his love. Even when I didn't deserve it. Be filled up with God today. Be filled up with the fullness of God. Walk in him. Let God root you into something deep and meaningful. Let God build you up to become the person he wants you to be. And then let your life be abounding in gratitude. Please pray with me. Father, we are so grateful, even in the midst of, even in the midst of loss and grief, that you are a God who understands those concepts. You know what it's like to grieve. You know what it's like to have loss. And you're present with us. In fact, you fill us. God, fill us in new and fresh ways each and every day. Grow our relationship with you. Remind us that you are indeed in us. Grow our gratitude. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.